Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the sustainer segment of the John Henry Weston show. I'm Danielle Zuccaro, the sustaining donor coordinator at LifeSite News. And this week we have some great questions submitted by our fellow sustainers for John Henry to answer. A lot is on people's minds about COVID and the vaccine. So that'll be a lot of the questions today, but we'll also touch on some of the Supreme Court hearings from uh, the Mississippi Dobbs case. So stay tuned for this special episode of the Sustainer segment. Let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Welcome, John Henry. Thank you so much for being here today to answer our Sustainer questions. Thank you, Danielle. Always good to be with you and to answer questions from our Sustainers. Thank you for supporting our work. We'll begin by just talking a little bit about the Mississippi Dobbs case. So as you know, and as our our viewers may know, I was on the ground yesterday with our video team, which was really an incredible experience. It was almost like a mini March for Life, honestly, with all of the youth present. um, And it was kind of like the who's who of the pro-life movement was there and present. Uh, There was a nice program, lots of prayer, lots of music being played. Um, We far outnumbered the other side, that's for sure. Um, But John Henry, in in light of yesterday and um, in light of the hearings um, being made public, and I'm sure you've listened to them, what do you think after yesterday? What are your thoughts on how the case may end up or the message for the pro-life movement in light of yesterday? Well, it was an incredible thing. It was an incredible thing to actually even personally for LifeSite and for LifeSite sustainers. It's a really incredible thing to see. We had so many people on the ground. We really did uh, use this like a March for Life. We had you there, Danielle. We had Michael Hogan, Jim Hale, uh, our two stars of our video team, as well as Gualberto Garcia-Jones, as well as uh, Nate Stringer, one of our uh, new employees who's doing social media for us. And so we had a whole team out there uh, working hard and just in such great joy. Uh, One of the things uh, being sort of a voice for the pro-life movement, uh, we're known by so many of the different leaders there. And it was really uh, like walking into a who's who uh, of the of the pro-life movement. You could just walk around and bump into all these great heroes for life who have spent their lives, the better part of uh, of their lives, particularly those who started young, like Lila Rose, uh, and others who have fought all the way through. You know, Jason Jones was there, David B. Wright was there. Just incredible lineup of uh, of people who have given their lives to this fight to fight for the youngest, the weakest in our society. It was a beautiful thing to see. Um, the issue itself is is interesting. The issue itself, obviously, for the mainstream media is the possible striking down of Roe v. Wade, the 1973 decision, uh, which basically uh, makes abortion available, un- unable to be regulated by the states, uh, where where really it should be. And not only that, the Dobbs case that we're dealing with is a 15-week ban. Obviously, as pro-lifers, we're not in favor of any abortion, no matter how young the children are. Uh, they are before 15 weeks, every bit as deserving of human rights and the right to life, especially uh, as everyone else. But the case, nonetheless, uh, has this opportunity to strike down Roe v. Wade. So there is. On the courts right now, things are difficult. Uh, you know, we they're better, though, than they ever have been. But you still have nine justices 
the possibility of us getting five to vote to strike down Roe v. Wade is iffy. Uh, it's not uh, it's not a surety by any means, but there is some hope. And you couldn't really have said that uh, at any time over the past two decades. So right now, it is the probably the best hope we have. Uh, I'm not hopeful that it definitely will be overturned, but it's definitely the greatest show of support that we've had uh, on the courts. When you listen to the questions, which I encourage people to do, you can actually go and listen to our whole segment uh, from yesterday, our live coverage, which actually includes the whole of the oral arguments uh, and then follow up afterward. Uh, you'll be able to see our team out there. Uh, and then, of course, a separate video, which uh, you filmed, Danielle, with just incredible people that you bumped into. So there's all sorts of coverage from LifeSite, but you can go and hear those oral arguments where you get a real insight into the various justices, them asking questions of the different lawyers on both sides. And it's very interesting. You get to know their minds a little bit. You get to see where they're coming from. Uh, you know, Amy Coney Barrett speaks and, and she talks about the safe haven laws and what that does to the different arguments that they had. And, uh, you know, Justice Thomas, uh, Clarence Thomas is in there and you get to see, you know, his line of questioning. It gives you a good insight as to where things are at. I'm halfway through, but I completely agree with you. It was, it was very fascinating. So we'll leap into some of the other questions that sustainers have submitted for this week. We'll start off with a question from Mary in Montana. And Mary asks, may we see some serious discussion about the medical community, mainly doctors, except for a few relatively brave men and women who put their careers on the line and likely more than that because of their choice to speak the truth into the COVID vaccine and lies. Many have completely drunk the Kool-Aid about the vaccine. I am one of a few who has a licensed doctor in a swamp of the rest of the community and a state whose stated intention is to keep me out of the hospital. This person has left all of her Christian medical clinic, which advertises outside of their office door that they vaccinate children. And yet these are the only options for millions of Americans. Please, some good discussion about the topic. Dr. Peter McCullough once said earlier in 2021 that he thought it was like they were in a trance. I think it can only be demonic. It is true. The whole of the medical community is, well, not the whole of, but the vast majority are relying on falsehoods, to be honest. Um, in fact, I want to play something for you. This is a video clip that's gone around uh, around the internet, and it's very hard to see because uh, most people will maybe have glimpsed it here or there and it be taken down. So I want to play it here. It is a retrospective look from six months ago at what we were being told by Dr. Fauci, by the head of the HHS, by uh, President Biden, uh, by, uh, you know, these leaders who told us, get the vaccine. It is so good for you. It will stop the transmission, of course, and Bill Gates, um, probably the top of the list to mention Bill Gates, about saying how this is good. This will stop the transmission. This will uh, be very good for you. And then only six months later, the same people, the same ones to whom the doctors were listening in the first place about why we need to give these vaccines. The very same people now telling us, oh, by the way, it didn't work. And uh, it's it's not about transmission. It's really about some health benefit to you. But we ha Gates even saying we have to look to a whole new vaccine for uh, transmissions. Biden saying now we need the boosters for sure and so on and so forth. Have a look at this. 
you're okay. You're not going to you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. These vaccines are highly, highly effective. Vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. They're really, really good against variants. Everyone who takes the vaccine is not just protecting themselves, but reducing their transmission uh, to other people and allowing society to get back to normal. Get your first shot, and when you're due for your second, get your second shot. Our key goal is to stop the transmission, to get the immunity levels up so that you get almost no, almost no uh, infection going on whatsoever. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. If you're vaccinated, you're not going to be hospitalized, you're not going to be in an ICU unit, and you're not going to die. If you are fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. Anyone who is fully vaccinated can participate in indoor and outdoor activities, large or small, without wearing a mask or physical distancing. But what they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. You know, we didn't have vaccines that block transmission. We got vaccines that help you with your health, but they only slightly reduce the transmissions. We need a new, a new way of doing the vaccine. The level of virus in the nasopharynx of a person who's vaccinated and infected is the same level as the level of virus in the nasopharynx of an unvaccinated person. Reports from our international colleagues, including Israel, suggest increased risk of severe disease amongst those vaccinated early. And if you look at Israel, mm -hmm. which has always been a month to a month and a half ahead of us, they are seeing a waning of immunity, not only against infection, but against hospitalizations and to some extent, death. A booster might actually be an essential part of the primary regimen that people should have. The plan is for every adult, every adult to get a booster shot. It's uh, clearly one of the best investments uh, I've ever been involved in. You see, Danielle, it, it's incredible. These, these folks are telling us a bunch of lies. I want to tell you why I think it's lies... Even from the outset, it's not like going in, they thought, oh, maybe this will be the be all and end all and do everything. Actually, they knew going in. You see, they early on changed the definition of a vaccine. In order to get this called a vaccine, they changed the definition. Of course, a vaccine provides real immunity. When you have immunity, you don't have to be afraid of catching the disease. You don't have to be afraid of transmitting the disease because that's what real immunity does. But going in, they changed the definition of a vaccine in order to be able to bamboozle the people with the talk about a vaccine. Because in the popular understanding of a vaccine, it means immunity. And therefore, people will accept it with open arms. And yet they knew going in that it was not immunity. And they made a false presentation up front so that everybody would get it, calling it a vaccine. Not only that, as you just saw, they pumped it up verbally, pretending that it would do what it did. And now that the fruit shows, wait a minute, it's not stopping transmission at all. They come out with, oh, but it's not stopping transmission. We need something new. As if people's memories are so, so, so <laughs> lacking that they won't remember from six months ago. It might be true though, because these videos, as I said, are very difficult to find indeed. So we need to be able to bring them to our own healthcare professionals and just show them, hold on. In fact, that little snippet of a video is a very good one to bring to your healthcare professional 
play it from this video itself. This video is accessible to you uh, at lifesightnews.com all the time. So please go there, grab this video and play that little snippet uh, from there. Show it to your doctor because it's proof positive that they've been lied to and they need to wake up and smell the coffee. Thanks so much. The next question is, is similar to that actually, but it has to do with children. So uh, Catherine in Minnesota asks, now that the vaccine is available to kids, what would you say to your children as advice to parents of young children on what to say to their friends if they ask if they've had the vaccine? So if children are asking other children if they've had the vaccine, do parents teach their kids to have a response or to just ignore the question? Very challenging questions indeed. And, and uh, as many of you probably know, I'm, I'm the father of eight children. Um, they range in age very widely from up to 25 down to 10. Um, so these questions are very personal for us and we have to deal with them ourselves. It is very difficult because the question of what to tell your kids uh, really matters. But I would think it's somewhat similar to how to deal with your children uh, regarding the abortion question. Uh, regarding the abortion question, parents take different tacks. Uh, sometimes the very young children, they will shield them from the reality of what abortion really is. Um, but I remember going with our little kids to the March for Life, and they would see sometimes those horrific photos of, of babies uh, dismantled by abortion, killed in their mother's wombs, ripped apart. Um, and it was. It was very disturbing for our little kids. But they got to understand what it really is. Um, and so I don't think that was, you know, all that unhealthy. I know that, you know, some of them struggled with faith in their later teens and so on, but they remained firmly pro-life. And a lot of it was due to seeing uh, the reality of what abortion is. With regard to uh, these vaccines, uh, these so-called so vaccines, these COVID-19, you know, vaccinations so-called, um, we're seeing the injuries. They're being hidden just the way uh, the the uh, abortion is, the reality of abortion is hidden. And uh, those who are paying attention see it. We just saw there's so many sports, uh, sportsters die, you know, the professional athletes uh, dying and collapsing on the field all in one month. I think there was 69 of them. This is unheard of. Um, and yet it's happening all around us. But we're being shielded from it. The mainstream media is concealing it. Um, so I think it's fine to talk to our kids about it, to make them aware. Whether or not they share that information with other children or whatnot, that gets complicated because then you don't know whether they're sharing that information with people who are hostile or parents who are hostile who might report you and so on. So those are very individual considerations that you need to take into account. But the narrative, just like the narrative for uh, that we explained uh, in the last question with regard to the medical community, the narrative is false. In fact, I'd like to play something for you as well. Just last week, there was a, uh, the Ontario Health Minister gave a little synopsis for the members of the Ontario Parliament um, regarding vaccination for children. And it was a complete fabrication, as if, I think she said one third of uh, the cases that they have uh, of COVID-19 are among young children. And uh, she talks about them dying and the need to save them. Uh, utter fabrication. I mean, first of all, let's just watch it in her own words. Take a look. 
We know that while there can be some adverse events with the vaccines, there is a much greater, much greater risk of children contracting COVID and having very, very serious results, even resulting in death. We also know right now that a third of all of the COVID cases that we have right now here in Ontario are in school-aged children. So it is imperative that we work quickly to provide children with these vaccines and provide their parents with the information that they need in order to make the decision to provide them with the vaccines. It's the safest way to save their lives, and that's what we need to do in the province of Ontario. If you realize how false that is, it's, it's hard to even watch that. I guess politicians lying shouldn't be a, um, a surprise to us, but let's not call it lying. Let's call it misinformed. You want some real information? I did an interview with Dr. Paul Alexander, who's an epidemiologist. He was on the, uh, he actually was a presidential advisor on COVID-19 uh, to the Trump administration. And he looks at the studies on children, on the COVID vaccines and children on COVID and children. Um, check out these few clips. I encourage you to go to the John Henry Weston show. Um, again, lifesightnews.com, up right hand, uh, top side of the page. It says watch, click on there. You get to all our shows, all our videos, no matter what platform we, we get kicked off of, we'll always be there. Um, and check out that show with Dr. Paul Alexander. Talks all about children and vaccines. But check out these clips, which explain both First of all, how children are not really affected by uh, COVID-19, by and large. Moreover, they can't spread it and that these vaccines do damage. Take a look. We knew about 18 months now from about the end of April, beginning of May, because we were getting data in 2020 that showed stably across the world the children brought near zero risk to the table in terms of becoming infected in the first place. Children didn't spread to other children. The data also showed us statistical zero risk where children spread to adults. The spread is often adult to child from a home cluster. There's no spread child to child. And we have the data to show that zero. Um, children don't take it home, like how they drive seasonal influenza home. Um, children out of FOCA have seasonal influenza in terms of taking that home to your parents and grandparents. Children don't get severely ill from COVID and children don't die. Statistical zero. We'd like to say zero risk, but we say statistical zero risk, near zero. And many of the instances where the UK, Canada, United States have reported a uh, child may have died from COVID, the authorities often do not give us the information so that we could clarify whether death was causal or incidental. And we have that right now in the United States where Dr. Marty McCary out of Johns Hopkins are in a back and forth with CDC openly, a very serious debate where he has requested that they provide the information to show whether the deaths in the United States, where the CDC says some children may have died from COVID, whether they were causal or incidental. And I'm not saying it in a flippant, easy manner. I'm a parent too. And the death of a child is the most catastrophic event in your life. And parents can never recover. So we are not talking about a simple issue here. But, but, but we have to be clear. We are talking about the data and the evidence because serious policy is being made here. 
where we are where we are bringing our policy to affect 28 million children in America. Let's say, vaccinate them. So if you're giving us bogus or false or misleading information, we need to understand the science. We really need to. And these people talk about the science. They're not. They have never. This task force, United States administration one, and now this administration, they don't follow the science. Because if they were to follow the science, we would not be in the situation that we are, even with the vaccines. So that was the epidemiology I just laid out in terms of the risk. And, and, and I'll even drill it down a little bit further. We have a seminal study that came out of, uh, there was one that came out, out of Sweden last year by Professor Ludvigsson. And they looked at all of the children in Sweden from ages zero to 16. And they followed them throughout this pandemic. And they showed them no lockdowns, no masks, no nothing. Schools open as normally. They found of 1.95 million, so 2 million sweet kids, all of them, they found no instances of death, none. You know, Danielle, I think that says it better than I ever could. All right. The next question is about the new vaccine in India. So this reader is Sandra from Ontario. She says there is a new COVID vaccine from India, Covaxin. It is being approved in the U.S. and Canada. My understanding is that there are no fetal cells used either in its development or production. It is also non-mRNA based and triggers our own immune system response similar to the seasonal flu shot. It has also been shown to be effective against the variants, unlike the current jabs. It is also showing that the adverse effects are greatly decreased and less severe, more in line with the seasonal flu shot as well. I'm trying to obtain more information uh, in order to make an informed decision. And my question is, do you have any further information regarding this product? Actually, you're very well informed on it. Uh, Covaxin, you're absolutely right, um, was developed in India. It was developed and produced without use of aborted fetal cell lines. In fact, they use a um, cell line from uh, monkeys. Um, and so Covaxin also doesn't use the mRNA technology, which is the troublesome technology that gets your body to produce the very dangerous spike protein, a toxin in and of itself. So this is something uh, that doesn't have the concatenation, at least in the same way with abortion. We don't know uh, for sure if afterward, after its development, that in testing they use the aborted field cell lines or not. So that's still a bit unclear. However, uh, they're not the same in terms of their contamination or abortion-tainted nature as are all the uh, COVID vaccines that are available in America to date. So uh, at least that's much, much better. Uh, in addition, you do have one final question uh, and that you might consider morally speaking, and that is the giving in to the totalitarianism uh, because it does satisfy then the requirement of vaccines, which is really becoming a, a kind of a because we're into a tyranny right now. We're into a globalist kind of tyranny whereby we are being asked, or not asked, actually. We're, it's being demanded of us to put something into our bodies against our will. So there is that aspect. We already know that the best form of protection is not via a vaccine, Covaxin, or any of the others. The best form of protection would be to 
get natural immunity, which has been shown to be better than anything else. Um, and yes, that sound, might sound radical, but you know what? When you're taking the proper medications, when you have a, a physician, God willing, who can provide you with HCQ, ivermectin, the whole range of, uh, of treatments, this COVID-19 is, is uh, not a humongous threat. It is a bioweapon. We do need to take it seriously, but its effect on children is very minimal and it can be fought off uh, as the many, many physicians who have risked their own careers to do this, to treat patients, have shown, can be fought off effectively, uh, even outside of hospital, with the use of the proper medications. Thank you, John Henry. The next one switches gears a little bit and has to do more of a censorship. This is Claudia from Texas. She writes, John Henry, are you concerned that the John Henry Weston show will be taken down by the powers that be since you live in Canada and Christianity is under oppression? You always say, regardless of the other platforms, when you, when you have different programs, that we will always be able to find you at lifesitenews.com. The John Henry Weston show exists still on YouTube. Um, and uh, that's an interesting development. So we had a huge channel on YouTube, uh, the LifeSite News channel, where uh, the John Henry Weston show was on a playlist. And that's where we got most of our views. In fact, um, it was over 10 to 1 uh, compared to the little show channel, the John Henry Weston show channel. When they eliminated LifeSite News from YouTube, they left the John Henry Weston show channel there. And so that does still exist on YouTube. It we need to self-censor uh, when we post there because otherwise it will just be taken down. But our approach at LifeSite has been to reach out to people in whatever community they are. And in order to do that, sometimes we have to self-censor. We try and tell people, if you want the full story, please come direct to LifeSiteNews.com. Go to the right-hand uh, side of the page on the top where it says watch. Click there. You'll find all of our shows. Even if we got deplatformed, uh, God forbid, by Rumble or Band or uh, YouTube itself, we'll always be there because we can build our own video, um, our own video place. That that's very very expensive. We haven't gone down that route yet, but uh, we will do whatever it takes. And uh, so, it is true. We are concerned about being deplatformed. Sure, does it hurt? Yes, it has. But nonetheless, God's faithfulness and your support have enabled us to continue, and we trust that they will as long as our good Lord wants us to. Very good. The last question for today is from Guy Michel in Quebec, and his question is, there are many convincing reasons to believe that the so-called vaccines against COVID are intended to poison billions of people and thus to depopulate the globe. The only fact that seems to contradict that thesis is that many of the main promoters of such vaccines, Bill Gates, Soros, etc., do receive the vaccines, though they give no sign of wishing to poison themselves. Are there other human beings who heavily promote the vaccines while taking care never to receive them into their bodies? There's all sorts of theories, and, and it's very difficult to suss out what's what. Um, because of the deleterious effects of the vaccines that have been seen, um, various researchers, serious ones, have postulated that this, in fact, is about depopulation. Uh, in fact, some have predicted that we would see mass die-offs as early as this winter. Uh, others have said that this would take two or three years. Um, we have some evidence already for 
cancer being shown to flare up uh, post-vaccination. Regarding the, um, the, you know, the leaders, Gates and company and Fauci all rolling up their sleeves on camera and taking the shot, well, there's all sorts of theories out there as to what might be going on if in case they are actually nefarious things going on, intended uh, nefarious things with the vaccine. Some people have suggested they're not getting the vaccine, that they're getting saline shots. The, the difficulty with all of this, though, is that there's no hard evidence of that. Would I put it beyond them? No. <laughs> they have shown themselves to be liars, um, and they have shown themselves to be about profit. One of the scary things that you see from Gates is that he talked openly about his investment into vaccines having the greatest return of any investment that he's ever had in his life. And so, to a large extent, it's about the money. These pharmaceuticals are, uh, are raking in dough, hand over fist. Remember, they were given guarantees up front about not having to concern themselves with uh, paying for the damages caused by the vaccine uh, in order to be able to roll them out uh, so quickly. And they were given that immunity from the government. I don't feel that we have the evidence. So we've presented these theories of the various experts who have. They feel that this is what's going on. The science tells them that. So they're putting out these theories. Um, but the conclusive evidence uh, isn't isn't quite there. But in, in all of this, when people are trying to hoodwink the greater part of humanity, you would think uh, they could do a good job in, in covering their tracks. So thanks for the question. Uh, some very challenging questions this week. Uh, I want to say thank you for those who have asked and uh, who continue to support us. It's a great grace. It's a great privilege to serve you. And uh, please pray for us that uh, we can continue this faithfully and... Um, I want to encourage you. I know that times are really tough right now. And uh, they're tough for all of our families. Our children are telling us the same thing as yours are. That uh, they're being worse than deplatformed. They're being taken out from their jobs. Their futures look kind of bleak. thing is, God wins in the end. We have to remember that. All things work for good for those who love him. Hold on to that. You need it right now more than any other time in human history. And uh, we need to support one another as best we can, first of all, through prayer. And if there is the opportunity to reach out to your brothers and sisters who have lost their jobs or are in a tough spot right now or are contending with COVID in their families and so on and so forth, do reach out, do help one another, do pray for one another. It's time to be a real community. And I thank you for uh, being such a supportive community of us here, uh, all of us in this community at LifeSite News. Thank you, John Henry. And thank you to all of you for your attention and for submitting questions. And that will bring us to the end of this week's episode of the Sustainer segment. If you would like to become a sustainer and to have the ability to submit your questions to John Henry, please sign up below in the comments. And there will be a link that will take you to our donate page. You can sign up to become a monthly donor. And we look forward to receiving your questions. Thanks so much for your attention. And we'll see you next time on the Sustainer segment. May God bless you.